0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of South Asian Stories, where we hear from South Asians around the world and uncover their identities, successes, failures, and most importantly, stories. I'm your host, Samir Desai. In this episode, we hear from Lavesh Prithmani. Lavesh is the founder and CEO of the Learn Bangra app. In less than three years, the app achieved over 70,000 downloads and 25,000 registered users – no small feat whatsoever. Lavesh began teaching Bhangra in 2006 and for 10 years he taught more than 300 students and started the independent Bhangra movement in North Carolina. He learned the folk elements of Bhangra from his coach from India. This completely transformed Lavesh's approach towards Bhangra and showed him how the teachings of discipline, confidence, and respect could be incorporated into everyday life. LaVesh and his team have now expanded the Learn Bhangra app to workshops, choreography, and instructor certifications around the world. LaVesh is extremely talented and his story is absolutely fascinating. He built this app from a simple idea to a global phenomenon. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with LaVesh Prithmani. Alright LaVesh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Amir, for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, we're really excited for South Asian stories to, to get a chance to interview you, man. You've, uh, I feel like you've, you've come up uh, in the last few years and now you're everywhere on YouTube, the app, you know, people are taking your, your, your sessions. <laughs> it's been, it's been a really great to, to see it grow, man. So I'd, I'd love to start a little bit about, you know, how it all began. Um, you know, it sounds like from your background, you've been doing up for a long, long time. Can you talk through maybe your first performance or your first foray into Bhangra and like what that was like
1: yeah sure no problem you know I guess uh, doing it for a long time it's that's a relative term because you know there's people I talk to have been like oh yeah I started Bhangra when I was a little kid and that definitely wasn't me I actually hated dancing as a kid um and so what really happened for me is you know I I was a very competitive person growing up and um basketball was my thing, you know, in high school, I, I was like, sure, I was gonna be the first DC in the NBA. Um, But, you know, uh, part of it was, uh, I think the hype part didn't work out for me. And then, yeah, and also, you know, there's, I guess there's a talent factor in there as well. But um, uh, you know, what happened is after I think I was about 17. So junior year, I realized, look, this isn't it's fun, it's great, you know, but all the time I'm putting into it, uh, it isn't going to pan out to what I want it, want it to be. And there was kind of a void in that competitive aspect of my life for a little while. And then luckily, you know, my cousin happened to be taping uh, Bruin Bhangra. Um He was actually, you know, videotaping the competition. He had slipped me that DVD. And that opened a whole new world for me because when I saw this competition side of it and I was heading to college, you know, in a year and a half from then, I realized, hey, this is something that, you know, I relate to. It's my culture. It's something I've always had in the back of – you know, back of my mind, back of my, uh, identity growing up, you know, and dancing and that type of thing. And here it is being done on a competitive scale all across the country. And of course, you know, I I went to college uh, later on and it was probably going to be somewhere in North Carolina since I'm from there and ended up being at UNC, you know, which, which obviously had a team. Um, so I think that was my first exposure into it. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my friends were Punjabi growing up. Um, so the boys and I got together and we said, Hey, let's, let's, kind of use this opportunity when we all go to college um, to start something now. And so kind of my junior and senior year, we started with uh, making a simple team, just doing it at the local Diwali Mela kind of a thing and, um, and performing, right. And it was always like, Hey, we're the Punjabi boys from, you know, the local squad. So, we kind of felt big and bad being the only ones doing Bhangra up on stage. And um, and that really started the passion, you know, just getting up there. And later on, the competitive scene kind of helped drive it um, into a lot of what it is today.
0: Yeah, and I want to touch a little bit about that. Like, can you give us a timeline? Like, when you first got introduced to Bhangra, what year was that? Like, because I know the, the scene has evolved tremendously over the past, you know, 15 to 20 years. Like, at what point yeah. did you, you know... You that you know your cousin <clears throat> film Bruin Brunga? What when was that? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, you're gonna make Old Man Levee come out now, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair, man. Um, so I. My cousin taped Bruin, uh, I believe it was 2004, but I went to college in 2006. So this all kind of happened for me about 2005 because I think I got that DVD a little later on. So um, what will be considered, many people consider this, the old heads, uh, the renaissance of Bhangra was around 2006 where um, the style completely changed to what was much more… Uh, In line with kind of the traditional folk um, side of it that was done in Punjab at that time. Prior to 2006, there was a very big disparity, but of what you would see at uh, collegiate um, teams doing, you know, in, in US competitions versus what you would see in Punjab. And so I think in 2006, there was that big renaissance really led by Canadian teams, um, who kind of also came over across the border and started performing, uh, in the States. Uh, and, and so I was right in the middle of that time frame. 2006, when I was a freshman in, at UNC. Um, and throughout the four years, you know, I graduated to 2010, I stopped competing essentially right at the end of 2010. I did a couple random one-offs comp up till. um, 2012, but it was during those kind of six years um, that I was performing, and I continued coaching until about 2015, I believe. Um, I continued coaching and doing that, and was involved with Bhangra uh, there and after from there.
0: <clears throat> got it. Got it. Um, and one of the quotes that you, that you mentioned when you were at the uh, session here in Dallas that I really loved, you said, "Bhangra is, you know, a dance form that combines both power and grace." I feel like that is such a powerful statement, and I feel the the dance is very sometimes misunderstood for people who don't know what it is and what it stands for and the, the, yeah. the immense history for it. Can you talk about what what you meant by that 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 phrase for people who are not familiar with Bhangra and the, and the history? behind it because i feel people see like the laramandie things and they're like oh this is kind or like a you know what they do sure. in bollywood it's just like is this what it is but you know you've been, i would love to hear and tell our listeners like what's your viewpoint of is in its history
1: sure absolutely it's you know it's funny you're asking me this because literally 20 minutes ago i just got done with bhangra class uh i was teaching here and, and there was a captain of a uh, collegiate team yeah. in, in the fusion team and she asked me the same thing and we were talking about um what that difference between energy and grace is and and it was kind of eye-opening for her too because she was like oh you know i didn't i guess she hadn't heard that full side of it so um uh, you know i think f- the best way to uh you know to kind of to look at it is a lot of people see the hype side of bangunia because that's what uh, you, like you said, Bollywood portrays that you know the jumping and the shaking shoulders and um, <clears throat> you know and the smiles and and all that's great and that's definitely a part of it. But I think that other side of it that also doesn't always get viewed as the slow and the graceful. Uh, other folk dances that make up Bhangra, because what Bhangra really is is it's a conglomeration. What you see, what you call Bhangra today that's performed on stage is a conglomeration of all different folk dances throughout the Punjab region of, you know, Pakistan and India. (laughs) And so um, certain segments are very very hype, you know, things like Tamal will be a more energetic segment, Um, you know, Fomariya, everybody likes to add their little twist onto their quote-unquote Fomariya segment, right? But there's other parts like Chomar, like luddi, right? And these type of segments are really about extending your body, not necessarily always hopping, not necessarily always tapping, but extending your body and matching the rhythm to uh, perfectly align your beat and your step with the with the ryth- rhythm of the toll, right? And so, being able to master that particular part of uh, of the step and of the rhythm, that's the other side that is you know sometimes considered you can say more artful in a way mm-hmm. and when you're looking at kind of what goes and makes the mass media and makes kind of the mainstream you'll you always take the hype part of bhangra because it just naturally will appear appeal to more people who don't necessarily only look at the art side of it but when then you look at the flip side and you look at the art side of it and what kind of can stand out by a simple step in chumar how you extend your foot how you place your foot down and how it matches with the of the tilly side of the toll right not even just the base but just the simple tilly side that intricacy that goes into it you know sometimes the recognition isn't given to that uh by the general population because not everybody has that you know full understanding of the dance and so i think that's how sometimes the grace side is is lost when you're looking at pangra uh and and that balance between it but uh a really good pangra dancer and you know uh really well done pangra i think is able to understand when you put in energy and when you put in grace because a dancer who can do both really has full mastery of the entire uh step and rhythm of of you know the routine
0: yeah yeah and i love how you used uh all the the terms like jummer and fumania you know a lot of people listening are probably like whoa those are yeah. pretty foreign terms to, <laughs> to, to, to me and right. how did you develop the vernacular and is is that something that you learned over time if you know if someone is just starting their journey of learning bangada and you know not as familiar with the terms what would you recommend for someone to learn these terms and how it applies to to dance
1: yeah, you know, and not to date myself too much here, but look, when I started in 2006, YouTube did not exist straight up. You know, it was just <laughs> getting started at that time. And so when we were when we were dancing, the only way was really through word of mouth. It was through hearing what another captain had to say. Or if you were lucky and fortunate enough, like I was later in my career, to have uh, somebody from India who had done it on, you know, dance on dole and had the folk rhythms, to explain that to you is very difficult to to understand and, and know what those different steps are and those different you know folk dances that make up uh today's modern day pangra so <clears throat> i think that was the difficult part is you'd ha- somebody have would have to be really dedicated okay. without that resource at that time by really listening to each and every step documenting it and and then keeping it. and you know there were good resources like pangra teams forums at that time mm-hmm. uh, and that still exists today that we're able to you know, take that information and uh, put it in one place for, for people to see. And I think that's what started the um, desire for people to gain more knowledge and to really look more and more into Bhangra. Today, that's become a lot easier with things like YouTube and videos that can straight up tell you, well, this is a step, you know, with the caption, this is a step name type of thing, right? So um, we've tried to do that through our through our company, uh, Learn Bhangra, through our app, yep. um, where you know my I was very fortunate that I had my coach uh, move he'd moved from Ludhiana uh, to North Carolina where I was from and, and I got the chance to learn from him for a few years and um, I was able to take what I'd already learned and then learn even further through him right and so the reason one of the big desires and pull inspirations for why we made Learn Bhangra was to take it and put that resource in in a place where everybody could see it, you know, and not just Bhangra teams could access it, but anyone could access it. And, um, you know, I think that's that's a good resource, a good way to learn the step names and do that. And I think continually things like forums like like BTF are another uh, great resource, um, as well as some social media handles that I think are dedicated um, you know, a daily bhagavad is a great one that you can see videos and see kind of pe- how people do different steps. I think those are some of the good key ways if you're looking to learn that information. Um, you know, to to get it from there.
0: Yeah, and I want to jump into you know the the learn bhagavad app uh, in a little bit, but before that, you know, you touched on something, yep. Levesh, that I think is very interesting. And it's the power of having a teacher and the power of a guru or yep. or, or a mentor. You know, the the gentleman moved. Um, to North Carolina and and taught you how to do it. What was that experience like? Can you talk through the story of, you know, working with him? You know, at that point, you probably had a a base knowledge of Bhangra and and steps. What did he teach you or what did he specifically talk to you about that made you appreciate or get your, you know, your Bhangra skills to another level?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it was was amazing how that all kind of came about. And like you said, we had a base and, we thought we had a good base. So, you know, I, I, my team was pretty much predominantly we only danced on dole. That was kind of our, our passion. We were very lucky to have extremely talented musicians, our toli, a singer. Um, so my team that I started even doing on at my academy uh, was, was all about uh, dancing on dole And so we thought we knew what we were doing, but I remember one of our teammates, he was at NC State, uh, the university, and he said, hey, he was from Ludhiana, and you just moved to NC State. He said, hey, I met another guy from Ludhiana. He's a little older than me. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, he said he did pang- India. I was like, ah, oh, let's see how that goes because a lot of people say they do pranayama in India. But, the, you know, when you actually watch him, you're like, oh, what is this? <laughs> so, you know, he, we did our routine for, uh, for Gurinder. His name is Gurinder Paji, our coach. And um, I remember, you know, he watched and he was very respectful. And he was nodding. And then he's like, okay, well, you know, I saw what you did. Here's a suggestion. I remember he just started doing one step. And I mean, all our jaws were on the floor after he saw that because we were like, wait a
0: second. What step was that? We
1: thought, it, you know, it was a basic single tamal. It was the most basic step in Bhangra. And he's like, you know, one thing, he was just showing us the uh, the upper body that we completely lacked. He's like, you know, try to shake your shoulders like this. And I always thought I was one that shook my shoulders. But <laughs> this man dislocated his shoulder on freaking <laughs> command. I mean, Gurinder Padish taught me that one thing is that how, how you really like learn how to dislocate your shoulder when you're shaking it. And it was just the power that he brought his whole, the the way he managed to take all his muscles, his chest, his delts, and bring it all up at once. So that you saw the entire upper body really bring out a whole different portion of the step than the lower body. That's what clicked for me, and that's what made me realize there's a whole intricacy in this dance that every single part, the way he likes to describe it, is colors. Uh, He calls it the colors of each step, right? Every little part from your delt, to your finger, um, and how does it match to that tuck and the tuck and the thin and every little part of the beat? how does that match and what part of your body do you move? It's things that you could never get, even by the most high-quality YouTube video. It's very hard to see that, and so… Being able to have somebody who could teach you that, oh, here's where you raise it here, and that's why it looks that certain way. That's why it comes out looking that certain way kind of a thing, right? Um, it's not just to say, oh, I have folk knowledge, and here's the way to do the step. I, I actually think that's uh, – you know a lot of people who do pangra and, and any other dance form think, oh, yeah, you know I'm just doing it for the sake of where I know what I'm talking about. But they don't understand what it's really – supposed to look like. But being able to see somebody and them to tell you that and this is the way, this is the reason why it looks that way. I think that was the amazing thing and I was very lucky that Gurinder Paji had that ability to you know, relay that information and make it in a way that we were able to understand it, because that's also very challenging. You can have a great dancer, but they're not necessarily a great teacher. Sure. I'm sure you know that, right? And many other dancers who are listening will, will understand that. Uh, but somebody who was able to also, um, you know, present that information in a way that we could understand and break it down. Uh, that was the most impactful for me. And, um, you know, at that day, I, that moment, I was like, you're my coach. I'm going to make sure that you come to this academy every day, every practice. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you're, you're on a deal and you you can't get out of it, my friend. Right.
0: Right. And LaVish, that's one of the things that I think people love about the Learn BangaDa app and the YouTube videos you created is how simple you break down complicated movements into very easy to use steps that people can follow and practice and, you know, get an understanding of not only how to do the steps, but like why they're important and what they're called. Um, how did you how did you develop that skill and, and I want to talk a little bit about when you decided hey this is something that I would love to teach in the form of the Learnbugger app like what was the genesis of that
1: Yeah sure so you know I think it goes back to uh like I like I mentioned so I'd performed um with kind of my boys and then I ended up going to UNC in 2006 kind of the next year. And, uh, quickly, you know, wanted, uh, went to join La Pangra elite, which was the local team there. Um, but at the same time I was very lucky that there was an academy, an Indian dance academy back in Raleigh carry area where I'm from. I just put a sign saying they were looking for instructors. And I said, well, I have a year of Pangra under my belt of watching these DVDs and now being on B. So I applied to kind of become instructor. And really in that first, week itself, I mean, that I kind of walked in and they interviewed me, I I became essentially a part owner after that. Um, and because it was just one of the first teachers that were involved um, with that. And so I had that opportunity to have, I started with one student. Um, and, you know, over time, the end result was, I think we had almost 200 Bhangra students after about a decade of, of me doing it. But that's what really started me into that Bhangra scene and being able to, uh, get understand the teaching side of it because having classes and you know being the only kind of bhangra instructor one of the only Dacy, we were the only desi dance school for a while in in the entire like you know triangle area of north carolina um we had the chance to teach many different types of people not only kids but adults right and and so what i learned from that is there's many different ways people like to learn right some people like like me you know people who are like engineers they love to hear every little part of the technical (laughs) aspect and this that right all the steps yeah exactly right they want to know like oh where's my angle it's 45 degree angle it's this it's that and I, i i love that kind of stuff that's how i like learning too but then some some people are more artsy and like the cultural side will like to hear what is fasla what is the step oh it's the crops, oh, you should sway your body in the wind, you should look like you're swaying in the wind like the crops are, that's that's the way you look like you're doing this step, right? And so, painting that picture for them is very different than saying, have your hip at a 45 degree angle, have your foot out here, and et cetera, et cetera, right? So, I think having that opportunity to teach so many different people over that decade, uh, all kind of culminated, and plus Gurinder Paji's way of also how he broke down those steps, you know, that culminated at, at that 10 years point where after I'd uh, taught, and I was moving to New York City for, for work. Um, I decided I don't want to be stuck to only one place and being able to only teach Bangara at an academy, how can we do this digitally and how can I take those experiences I've learned in academy and put it in a way where anybody can learn um, you know, not just the distribution mechanism of an app or YouTube, but how can they watch that video and feel like they're there and they're dancing along with it. Um, and and so I think that's how it all came about from that experience of teaching at an academy, having Gurinder Bhaji and uh, the idea of Learnpung actually came. My buddy and I were uh, eating at a Taco Bell. <laughs> I mean, any daisy can relate to that, right? Right. And, um, you know, he's a software developer, and he was just talking about randomly, "Hey, I want Lavish, I want to develop an app." And you know, at that moment, I think I was like eating a Mexican pizza, and it clicked to me. I was like, "Hey, look, you know, I've been wanting to figure out a way to spread Bhangra because I'm moving soon to New York, and I'm not going to be having this academy anymore. Maybe this is the way to do it." And that's how we kind of put our minds together and said, "Let's try to create a learn Bhangra app and do it through, you know, utilizing YouTube." And, and high quality video tutorials because we saw that was lacking. There was something that did not exist, and I was something I always needed growing, you know, in my bungalow journey. And and that's sort of how we came about with that idea and how it all came together.
0: So you guys had the idea of Taco Bell. You had inspiration over a Mexican pizza. And what, what happened after that? Uh, you know, the, the idea seemed like a perfect idea, but as people know, you know, it's hard to turn ideas to execution, especially if oh, yeah. you've never created an app or, you know, filmed high-quality YouTube videos. Can you talk a little bit about that process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're spot on, you know. it was um, the, There's a million ideas out there that so many, you know, great people have, you know, things that they want to implement, but execution you know unfortunately kills probably 90% of those right and and it's getting your idea from you know just uh, inception to conception and making it really something that can that can work and i think for us that was that's luckily always been one of the things i feel personally that i'm good at doing because i will say i'm not the smartest i definitely don't have any kind of particular tech skill or anything you know that other people don't have about me but I am good at executing because I'm very organized in what I do and so that was what I took on from my side. I said, you know, Sandeep who was my co-founder, I said, look, you got to handle the tech. Side. I I don't know that part of it at all. But what I can do is I can put this together, I feel by, you know, getting the right people involved, trying to get certain mentors who have already done this, right? So my first thing was getting kind of the right small team of people who would feel like this is something they'd want to be involved with you know some was family some was my cousin some were just people who were kids that i taught or i coached that also wanted to help out um and then the second part of it like i said was getting mentors who had already been through this you know everybody has somebody they look up to um you know they don't have to necessarily have an app for you to they to give you valuable knowledge about how you would create an app you know conceptually so that was the other side of it and i listened to their feedback um and you know, growing up, I think the third thing was luckily I had a family business, and so that business mindset was always there. And plus, I'm also Cindy, so it's kind of like in our blood, to <laughs> do something business related. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think trying to take those business experiences of a of a family business, um, plus what the mentor said, and then kind of having that low, that small team and having their support of you know being able to execute upon your ideas, all that came together, and it took us about six months. Uh, to really get this app launched. And so I let Sandeep handle the whole side of creating the app and i said okay well i got to create the content for the app and so i you know utilized mentors to help get a production team together um, family again my cousin was helpful in actually producing all the videos um and then you know our team was helpful in describing okay let's do tests let's get test groups together and see which steps they would use as beginner intermediate advance and why are those cert- the right steps we should do the order and you know and um Putting that all together, we created a storyboard of saying, "Okay, here's what the journey of that app should look like. Here's the way a user should go from beginner, intermediate, and advanced, and here's the way we have to tape all those steps." And Sandeep prod- outsourced a lot of the uh, development um, to India and project managed it, so that you know we had uh, people who are great at developing but maybe not the design part. He kind of helped with that really. Design part and making that app come together, and six months later, I brought the production videos. He brought the actual app code together. We we merged it, and um, you know we were very fortunate that it worked out. Our app didn't crash immediately, so <laughs> that, was, that was our first. First foray into it at the end of that we're talking about twenty fourteen, late twenty fourteen.
0: And how did it feel when you guys did all the hard work, six months to get it off the ground? You know, you handled the videos, and something you handled the app production. What did it feel like when you clicked submit or got your first view, or what was that feeling like? Can you describe it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it honestly, there was there was nothing. It just you're just proud, right? It's 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 not like a an arrogance. It's just pure pride, you know, self uh, you know, satisfaction that you took an idea and you put all this down. And now it's living out there and somebody else somewhere else in the world is seeing your work and and maybe even using it, you know, for, for their own benefit and appreciating it. And I think, you know, in the first few weeks, we, we, we got quite a few downloads. I mean, you know, a couple hundred right there in the first couple month or yeah, a month and a half I think I remember and just seeing those numbers I mean it's like when you first start your first Instagram account and you're like oh my god I got like 20 likes on a you know photo or something <laughs> like that that's what that's what it felt like And yeah. know just every every like was just uh, like you know a little bit of lighting up your day a little bit because you're like wow all this you know s- effort I've put into it has paid off and somebody is respecting it and I think that was the coolest feeling ever when that
0: happened. Do you have a uh, message or a person that has come up to you that sticks in your mind that said wow the impact i've made is actually tangible where someone has commented like hey lavish your videos or your your um you know your app or your in-person uh, workshop this has affected me has do you, anything like that come to mind
1: the coolest moment was the first time when i was um Uh, So I was in Singapore and I was at a McDonald's and I was getting a McFlurry and this woman behind us uh, just she just tapped me on the shoulder and she goes, hi, are you lavish? And I was like, "Uh, yeah. And she goes, (laughs) oh, this is my daughter. This is my husband. And uh, we watch your videos like every day in our living room. And And this is in Singapore. This is. I was in va- on vacation in Singapore just six months wow. after the app had launched. Five, five, six months about after the app had launched. Yeah, and uh, I remember, I, I mean, I, I just didn't even know what to say. I was like, wow, this this is, you know, if everything that's come up with this and all the time that's went into it, it paid off right in that moment where it was like somebody on literally the absolute other side of the world, uh, you know, r- recognized the work and appreciated it and said, you know, it's something that impacts their day-to-day life. I mean, that, I would just, mind-blown when I heard that. So I think, you know, very fortunate, very blessed that that's, uh, you know, it's not the only time it's happened since then, but that was the first time where it really made me appreciate, you know, that other people do appreciate the work. And uh, and I'm just so, like, humbled and just blessed that, you know, other people feel that way about it.
0: Yeah, and I want to touch a little bit about that. You know, you've grown, learned Bangado, you know, over the past few years, and, you know, you've traveled internationally. Was there a country that, Surprised you, Levish, that had the most passion for Bangladesh? We were like, wow, I'm in, for example, Singapore or X country that I don't know, they had these many people interested in learning Bangladesh and that, that passion. Anything about that that surprised you?
1: My first first workshop that I ever did, um, and I, I think outside of, let's say, North Carolina and uh, New York, my first workshop that I ever did was in uh, Mexico. So what happened was somebody had contacted us um, and uh, she had you know she messaged through the app and she said look I'm I'm just kind of by myself there's two other people I love Indian dance, I specifically love Bangladesh, it's been something that's been a passion to me and I really want to grow it here in Mexico and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's cool You know, I'm, I'm just connecting and kind of talking and she was like, look, I'd love to bring you because I've seen the work that you've done with, with your app and with your video and you know, we have a small group of people that use it here in Mexico and I was like, wow that's, she didn't even speak a word of English, I mean we were communicating through completely through Google Translate um, and that was such an amazing feeling and, and she ended up following through on it and brought me and My first ever workshop was here in Mexico. And I remember at some point when we were starting the workshop, it just hit me. I'm like, Yo, I'm not even going to be teaching in English. Like, I there's I, no one here speaks <laughs> English. I'm going to be doing this through a translator. I'm going to have to like try to use my broken Spanish to to figure out how we can how we can make this come across. And I'm sitting in Mexico City, you know, in the middle of a, an academy here, and no one here is Indian. And there there's 20 people here, and they all want to learn Pongra, and that's just an incredible, incredible thing. So I think that first experience, and subsequently, there's been a lot in South America, um, in, in Turkey, and couple other countries where there's been not a single indian in the workshop and you know it, it just shows you how this dance is like uh, you know really spread to every corner just like a lot of other indian dances but specifically pangra has you know really hit everywhere and it's these people are a lot of times full-time indian dance teachers some of them are f- full-time only Bhangra instructors living in these places, but they don't even have Indians around, and they're using their livelihood is to teach Bhangra, and, and I mean, they don't eat if they don't teach, right? Yeah. And and uh, it's just amazing to see that, right, that how, how it's spread, and affected somebody that much that they that's what they want to make their full-time life about right and um i I think that first example was in mexico
0: yeah no that is an incredible story man that look on your face when you're like hey i have to teach (laughs) fumania in spanish what's the translation for that (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, and i i love what you said about um you know how bangra has gone to many corners of the earth that you wouldn't expect it and you know you had something on your website that i really liked it said you know we believe that bangada breaks barriers and that's an example right. an example of a true example of how that has has, has shown up in your app and, and how you've taught so lavish can you tell a little bit about like what's the future of loan bangada and i know you've expanded a lot in terms of places you go but what's the what's the next few years look like for loan bangada and you know can you talk about what the what the next steps are
1: absolutely yeah so <clears throat> you know I think we've been very fortunate that thus far uh, we as we started our company quote-unquote as an app right and and we kind of rebranded uh, been a little more than I guess it's been about a year now that we rebranded to just drop the word app and call ourselves learn Bagra. the app is still a obviously there it's a core product it is the identity of what our company but it's not the only thing that we do and so we spread a lot more example these workshops have become a daily part of my life almost now I think I travel seven out of eight weekends and six out of eight of those are international so um you know it's it's the uh, workshops have become a big part of our company um the other thing is becoming uh become certified instructors so people who want to leverage the value of a brand and also a methodology that uh they need to help them kind of be able to reach out to people and be able to teach people and and bring more and more, you know, people to Bhangra classes and and have interest in Bhangra. That's, that's really what we're going to be growing into and what we are doing right now. What we'll continue to do is really help, um, People who want it and who kind of appreciate the brand to, you know, hopefully become certified and, and have used that methodology of uh, not just saying this is a beginner step, intermediate step, but what is the meaning of that step, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you really execute it to the fullest of its ability and really make it look not just like, oh, I'm doing I'm doing Tamal, but make Tamal look beautiful, make it look different from Bedi and how did you showcase that, right? That's what we really want to do through our certifications, through our certified instructors. So that's a core thing that we're doing outside of the app. Obviously the app is still a core part of what we do and we want to have a lot more social features that we're going to add in the next version to make it more shareable, more uh, user-friendly for people to upload their videos and things onto the app. But that's the outside of that, the certified instructors, like I mentioned, and then, um, uh, the third thing, I think, and continuing with the workshops, I think as is, but I think the third thing that we want to do, which is going to be a little new, is um, we want to get into the fitness side as well a little bit. Um, and I think we want to showcase how <clears throat> not just uh, doing a pangra step is great exercise and energy, but using that technique that we try to really incorporate in our you know tutorials and try to showcase in our work, using that technique, how you can get the best Benefit the best exercise fitness benefit by doing bhangra steps with utmost and really uh, you know dedication to the technique will actually get you the best. Results from a fitness perspective because there's not just the cardio aspect, but there's also the muscular toning and right and uh, the weight transfers and the high intensity, the hit part of it with you know certain steps that you can put together. So we've we've realized there's something there. Yeah, um, totally. You know it, the, the pez, best example, and Samir, you could probably speak to this, right? From being on a <clears throat> bhangra team and dance team in general. Doing an eight-minute routine kills you, right? at any dance, not just bhangra, but
0: winded is dance. an understatement.
1: Right, right, exactly. You know, and you realize, wow, in this eight minutes, especially with bhangra, you can burn like I don't know, like a g of calories. I feel like you yeah. know, without a problem. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that part's what we've realized that every bhangra team is doing this, and they're they're you know, clearly dead at the end of it. And there's something in that. And it's only eight minutes. Yet you have these 60 minute classes where, you know, you're, you're, you're doing continuous cardio and cardio, and you still won't be as tired as when you did a simple eight minute segment. Right. And when you do even more simple than Bhangra routines without taking out the gimmicks and taking out the speed changes, if you literally just did one step, for two or three minutes, like a the step, you will be even more winded than an hour's worth of trying to do a cardio class. And so I think we see that fitness benefit, and that's something we really want to bring to the table. Um, and hopefully the next um, four to six months is sort of our goal.
0: Great. That's great. And for, for everyone listening, we'll definitely link to uh, the Learn Banga app and the YouTube videos, so you can keep uh, keep in touch with the journey and see how it evolves. Um, one thing I want to touch on, LaVesh, is um, you know how... The music of Bhangra has transformed over the past few years, you know, that the music is such an important part of the whole experience when you're dancing If people have hyped music or, you know, the music is right. It really affects, you know, how you dance and, you know, how excited you are based on on the music. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit how the the journey of Bhangra music or Punjabi music or any music you dance Bhangra to has evolved over the past, you know, say, ten to fifteen years because, you know, I I was at the time when, you know, Bangla was you played at Bollywood parties but then you know Jay Z right. put his 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 mix on Maria <laughs> K Bach and right. then like it was literally at all my high school parties too I'm like what is happening <laughs> Um, right, right, and you know it became more and more part of the Zeitgeist of uh, you know the culture. Can you talk a little bit about the journey of music in in Bangla and how that's personally affected your appreciation of it?
1: Absolutely, you know, I think um, I guess it's. You you kind of have to look at two lenses. There's the general person that just listens to Pangara, and then there's also the Pongra teams that listen to Pangara And kind of, I guess I'll touch a little bit on both because they, <clears throat> I think I see them sometimes intersecting nowadays a lot more. But you know, I think back, you can say the late '90s and early 2000s, um, you you had, uh, I guess slower speed with with the songs, and it was kind of a little bit more with simpler rhythms um typically you know uh, one or two three instruments that you would hear in there uh, you know they're back in there, there's also a lot of keyboard that they would throw in there for for rock songs. so i think the rhythms in general and the just overall melodies were a little simpler and they didn't have as much going on nowadays um you see quite a bit more changing i think on that front i think you have uh a lot of infusion of things like hip-hop beats in, in a lot of the popular Pangara songs coming out today. And I think a lot of that is the globalization of and coming together of Pangara spreading into the mainstream. I think Jay-Z uh, with, with uh, you know, Mundiato it was one of the huge moments when uh, that was a crossover, right, when Pangara right. became mainstream to everybody like you said it was we made your, it. you know high
0: school.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah right right exactly and I mean it, it was you know as much as uh, that song is like well way overplayed now right. I think even Punjabi MC will admit that I think at the same time it was great and it broke those barriers because then all of a sudden you saw that wow a hip-hop artist with this type of beat, you can put anything together. And I think here, another big person in New York, DJ Reka, brought like the reggaeton feeling, right? Uh, she wasn't the only one. There was others that did it before, too. But she was one of the main people here in New York that always infused reggaeton and those type of beats into pangra as well, too. So I think these types of fusions that started happening really over the last 15 years, um, especially as pangra grew overseas and things like that started to change the music and the rhythms. And now you have artists like Sidhu Musayala, you know, love his stuff, love his music, where it's really a hip-hop base and it's just Punjabi lyrics kind of almost over hip-hop base with just a slight hint of bangra, to what you'd call traditional folk bangra rhythm, you know, uh, vibes and rhythms in it. So I think that's how it's changed. And I think um, uh, bangra teams have been, a, a, to some extent, a part of that as well that maybe have caused some of that and helped some of that evolution happen because, you know, they took the basic songs and uh, they, you know, a lot of these DJs and people who are also involved with the team and, and, you know, you you have the people that are making the dance and the the dancers are doing the choreo, but then you also have the DJs who are helping make hype up that mix a little bit with different sound effects and whatnot. They changed the game big time as well. Right. And um, now over time with these really well done quality productions that are bangra team mixes nowadays you have a lot of different things going on so many unique beats that are being infused into it in so many different ways and i think that also with that spreading and things like you know soundcloud where now everybody can access easily a Bangara team's mix has also led to this change today where now a bangara song that's produced by an artist doesn't sound like that same simpler rhythm that you had in the you know late nineties and two thousands. Good thing or not, that's up to you to decide. But it is a difference that I think you have a much bigger trend of these artists coming out with lots of different beats going into their uh, you know, Punjabi and Pangra music today mm-hmm. that you didn't have back then. I think that's those are reasons that it's changed a little.
0: Is there a song for someone who is You know, probably has heard jay Z song but They're like, hey, LaVesh, I want to listen to Two or three new songs that will introduce me To more about Bangra's styles And, you know, uh, something uh-huh. that I've You know, I've heard before That maybe be unappreciated Is there a song or two that you recommend people listen to To really fully appreciate The, the, the vast spectrum Of what kind of Bhangra is?
1: Yeah, I think you know a good way that I've always um, <clears throat> one song that I've always looked at for purely teaching perspective. So this is more to just kind of show how you can really dance bhangra to a specific bhangra song and try really folk rhythms. Is a song called Sir way by KS Makhan. That song is perfect to do bhangra to, um, and it's it's really got the simpler. Uh, Beats and melodies, but it, it shows you that one end of the spectrum. But then one song that also really mixes it up, and you can still try and you know still do many many pangra steps to and equally execute and well a lot of them is Punjabi MC again you know phenomenal artist is Morni by Punjabi MC bale bale yeah, A lot of people I have heard that song. song too, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's such a great fusion again of you know that. Obviously Punjabi back you know base of it, but then the infusion of hip hop and and kind of that pop feel to it as well. Um, that's a that's another great song. And then there's a third one that I think really goes to the other side of the spectrum. Um, it's it's specific for the folk dance known as tamal, uh, specifically for those type of steps. It's it's a song by DJ Surinder Ratan called Hassa Hassa. and it's a completely like EDM type of. There's not a single like. Traditional bhangra instrument, really, that I can hear in it. I mean, my ears maybe not as well trained as somebody I don't hear it. It's really just kind of like one of those bumping EDM type of beats, but it's so perfect that it works with the tamal, it works with those types of steps that are really kind of slow, more slow-hopping bhangra uh, steps, and it's just kind of unique to see how you have, you know, something that like Gayas Makana song that really works with so many different steps, Morning that works with so many different steps, and Hasa that comes sounds completely different from all these and really doesn't even have any it's just Punjabi lyrics over a song but still works really well with, with you know, these tamal and many other types of, you know, those slower type of bhangra steps um, so I think those are three songs that I always like to use in teaching uh, that that show those different types of um, you know rhythms.
0: Perfect, perfect. And for all the listeners, we're going to put these songs in the show notes so you can click on them and and jam to them at at your leisure. Um, <laughs> last question um, before we get into the the, the rapid quif- rapid fire questions, Lavesh is um, yeah. you know a lot of people you know South Asian, non South Asian have been to an Indian party or an Indian wedding where. Bollywood or Bhangra music plays and people sometimes are like what do I do like do I you know just (laughs) jump around do I do the screw the light bulb pet the dog which is you know like the the, I feel the biggest myth of Bhangra when they when when uh, you know non-South Asians or South Asians learn it what is the first thing you would tell someone if they're just trying to get better casually when they're going to their next South Asian event and Bhangra music or Bollywood's you know, music comes where they can do something. What's the first move or thing you would recommend for them?
1: You know, I think it's, uh, the first thing is you have to love what you're dancing to, especially if you're, you know, not a, let's say a quote unquote, Bhangra or Bollywood or, you know, dancer per se, and you're just doing it as somebody who enjoys going out to a party and dancing. I think you pick that song that, that, you know, you, you really love. And that's something that you feel passionate about. And you, Act out that song with you know, honestly with with your with your body movements, right? So it's as simple as singing the song, right? And when you're at a party and something like that, and just you you like the lyrics, you like what you're listening to, and putting your hands up and just shaking your shoulders. I think that's the simplest. You don't even have to use your lower body. And hell, let's face it, you know, with a lot of things you have to wear at a lot of these parties, it's hard to move. Your pants are gonna rip. You know, women can't <laughs> get with the dresses on. It's gonna be hard to lift your legs and all that. But I think just Sh- shaking those shoulders and I think just having that smile, the arms wide, I think that is really the essence and the beauty of Bada right there because it's using, you know, those, those like your chest and your shoulders to, to make that rhythm happen. No other dance form really, in my experience, you know, there might be others. That I'm definitely not going to say I'm the most knowledgeable on all dance forms. But I think no other dance form uses that those particular muscles in your upper body to really showcase and highlight the entire step. Like I think Bhangra does, and just your chest and your shoulders. And so I say, just shake those. You bounce them <laughs> up and down whenever you hear that type of music, and 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 put your arms up. And I think that you know, that's where really the joy of Bhangra comes from is is your shoulders. They always, you know, I was saying you hear more right? That's that means shake your shoulders, right? So I think having that that is come out naturally for you, if you don't even have any Bhangra experience, let that be the one thing that you do.
0: I love it. I love it. So guys, make sure you (laughs) shake your shoulders and and put that big old smile on your face and you'll be halfway there, right? Um, Cool. Exactly. Let's, uh, jump into our, our, our rapid fire questions. again, these are questions that we ask all our, our, our guests and, you know, we've had some really, really cool responses to them. So Lavesh, I'd love to start a little bit about asking what purchase of $100 or less that has most improved your life in the last six months. And it can be anything, um, that has, uh, you know, affected your life. That's $100 or less. Is, can you think of an example of that?
1: Yeah. Um, uh... Wireless headphones.
0: Wireless headphones. What? Which headphones?
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually don't even know. I got a very random uh, brand off of like was like Alibaba or something. <laughs> it's like not even a no name. It's a no name brand, but I just I just happened to find find these good cheap wireless headphones, and they have changed my life because now i can just walk around i live in new york city i can just walk around the city and make my choreo in peace and it's the greatest (laughs) feeling ever without having a wire that you like you know get stuck in on the subway so i think that's probably everything creatively that you know i feel like whatever i consider creative that i do comes from those wireless headphones
0: love it love it no no, no ball and chain to your to your phone yeah (laughs) exactly cool um Second question for you, Levesh is: Is there a South Asian person, and and it can be, you know, someone who you know personally, or someone that you know that you you look up to? Who is someone that in your field or in Bangladesh that you look up to, either musician or dancer? Uh, when you think of the word success and why?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, obviously my coach is always going to be one up right. there, but I think, um, uh, you know, beyond that one, uh, there's a particular. Um, Singer, if, if you know the Punjabi music industry, his name is Amrindra Gill. Amrindra Gill uh, Gil has sang a couple of popular songs. Uh, most recently, there's uh, a movie he did called Angrej, where he, don't, you know, uh, in Punjabi music industry, all the act- singers are also actors. <laughs> so he he, uh, he ended up acting in this movie, and um, he has one very popular Chumar song called Vanjali Vajah that I think, if you're a dancer, you've probably heard of it. It's a beautiful Chumar track. Um, but He's very successful. He's somebody I look up to a lot because uh, he's a phenomenally trained Bhangra dancer. I mean, he's amazing. You see, you can see it in his little music videos. But also knowing his background because he actually was one of the people that helped influence my coach and to some extent taught my coach as well. Um, you know, Knowing that he has that folk background, he's also managed to take and become a popular mainstream person in Punjabi music and still bring in, in, in his music, not only in his music videos, his dancing, and the kind of the beautiful, graceful side of Bhangra, but he's also managed to make those type of songs that are able to showcase that type of music and show those folk rhythms, but to you know the mainstream audience. I think he's somebody that's really impressed me, and, and, and I look up to his work uh, very much so.
0: Awesome, awesome. We'll put his uh, name and, and the song in the show notes as well, so people can check that out. Um, sure thing. Next question for you is: Is there a a, a movie or book that has the most impact on you, Lavish?
1: You know, I don't read very much anymore. <laughs> but uh, movie wise, um, I th- the one that's always got to me is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yep. Uh, I don't even know if a bunch of people have seen that movie, but that is, I think that movie is just like a good reflection on your life you know i think it's just if you haven't seen i won't i won't even really talk about it i I think it's just a beautiful movie it It shows you how you know somebody goes all around the world and it made me want to go to iceland (laughs) i actually went to iceland recently uh because of that movie and it was everything that movie looked like it was amazing but uh you know i think just the way that you see this character go through you know uh, the struggles but how he just kind of sheds all his chains and and just takes a leap of faith and uh explores the world you know i i think that is has has really impacted me because to some extent you know it's uh, there's lots of these workshops that i'm you know sometimes i look at i'm like man i'm giving up some part of this or i feel like it's a you know risk to go into i may not may lose money on it whatever but i just taking that leap of faith and being able to meet people and you know it's it's applied to me with a lot of the travels I've done, just taking that risk and, and going around the world and doing you know the same way and being very blessed and humbled and lucky to have that opportunity. Um, you know, I th- I just see some parallels with right. kind of how he took that leap and it made me feel the same way. To say you know what, even if I know I'm maybe not going to have a whole lot of people in this country, it's the chance to go meet somebody who appreciates your work and you know getting to just do something you wouldn't normally have that chance to do, and maybe later in life, um, that's that's definitely
0: impacted me. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a fantastic move and I highly recommend it to anyone listening. Um, cool. And the, 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 last question I have for you, Levation, this is something that I think is a lot of people would love to hear your perspective on is, you know, for someone who's an up and coming South Asian, who wants to ha- who has an idea or has a side hustle, who wants to, to do something like this, what advice would you give them and why?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, and this is only gonna come everybody has a little bit of a different way of going about things, but this is this is the way I look at it personally, is you know, you have to to any project you want to get into, not just South Asian, this is really to anybody, but really, really have to be organized to execute your idea. And I think the best way I do this personally, and people will tell you that I'm the psycho that did this in college, but I mean I put everything on my calendar. Hell, I used to put the time I would shower on my calendar. For me, that was a way that I knew I had a certain way I wanted to structure my day and there's things I wanted to get done. And by able to by being able to just take a task and get through that task and successfully complete it in time, you just start to add the endorphins and the positivity in your day because it's like, look, I woke up at 8 a.m. And by 8.30, I was supposed to brush my damn teeth and I did it. you know. And, and I mean, that simple little thing of just making sure that you're on time and you're achieving those goals day by day, hour by hour, and sometimes minute by by minute, for me that's something that really helped drive me into being able to balance, like you said, a side hustle, right? Going to college or working full time and it, having learned Bhangra on the side, being able to balance it and keep it going and you know continue to make it make it grow. So I think set those small tasks those small little victories you can do be very organized and succinct and every day have an objective that you know it doesn't have to be a grand thing it can be i just sent out five emails and i did it and i put the time on my calendar said i'm going to send out these emails right i think that those little victories lead up to winning the overall you know war quote unquote right that is that is a side So it's a never-ending thing and i and i think that's um, something i would just suggest
0: love it love it i'm a big fan of calendars too and I feel like my life revolves around those, so I I 100% agree. I loved your
1: calendar invite. I was (laughs) like, this is beautiful. This man gets
0: it. (laughs) We're on the same page here.
1: Right, right. Cool.
0: So um, I'd love to end this on, LaVesh. If you have any final asks for the audience, anything you'd like to leave them with about Bangra or learn Bangra or anything like that, any final asks for the audience?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, th- again, thank you to all the listeners who are out there. appreciate, you know, you guys, uh, the support for, for those of you, you know, that, that love Bhangra that, uh, con- you guys continue to give us, you know, keep, keep doing that. Keep following us if you can, you know, all the social media handles are at learn Bhangra now and do download our app, tell your friends about it. It's something that, uh, you know, we made for free because at the end of the day, like I mentioned, um, you know, Gurinder Paji was the one who inspired me and everything, and how he showed me this type of pangra. And uh, I, I just, you know, hope that the world gets to see that beautiful side of it. And so anything you do to help spread our project, um, you know, is is very much respected and appreciated. And um, you know, just thankful to have the opportunity. And if anybody ever has anything a question-wise, hey, reach out. You know, I mean, we're all busy, but. I love to take the time for anybody who really wants to learn, you know, or just appreciates my, my input. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm humbled by that and I'll do everything I can to, to help out. So thank you everybody.
0: Great. And where can people find you, Levesh, if they want to contact you directly or where are you on social? Where can people get in touch?
1: Yeah, no doubt. You know, uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, unfortunately, somebody stole the real at Levesque money, so I'm Levesque money official. <laughs> but I'm not that kind of person that that tries to just put official for the hell of it. But somebody <laughs> jacked Levesque money a while back. So, um, so yeah, it's at. L-A-V-E-S-H-P-R-I-T-M-A-N-I official. Um, best place to, to probably get me because I've been forced by the millennials to start using Instagram. Um, and then, you know, of course, as I mentioned, just follow uh, all our platforms at LearnPangarai now. You can also check our website, com.
0: <clears throat> perfect, perfect. Well, Lavesh, we really, really appreciate you having me on the show man this is some awesome stories and and for everyone listening again everything we mentioned will be on the show notes so if you want to check that out you know find the music you want to learn some the learn bangla app uh you know you'll have all the resources to do that so lavesh thank you again for the time i appreciate it
1: thank you Samira. big ups to what you're doing here with this project um you know Thank, thank you so much for having me and continuing to do this. I think it's uh, very important to showcase the work of what, um, you know, all great South Asians are, are doing out there. So uh, big ups to you and thank you for having me.
0: Hey, guys, it's Samir again. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories on South Asians around the world, please check out SouthAsianStoriesPodcast.com and subscribe to our email list. That's SouthAsianStoriesPodcast.com. Thanks a lot and see you next time.